and welcome to the final edition of the Posting Up podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National Writer for the Washington Post for another 24 hours or so. And uh, on the other end of the line is my good buddy, Anthony Slater from The Athletic, uh, excellent Warriors beat writer who I will now see much less rarely, or much less uh, regularly, I should say. So Slater, how uh, how are things with you in the wake of uh, Clay Thompson's 52-point explosion last night? Are you still singed? Well, I, I was uh, in a pretty good mood, but now I'm a little sad. This is a <laughs> swan song for not only your time in the Bay Area, your time at the Washington Post, but this podcast. I'm the I'm the last guest. I'm the, I'm the closer to come in. You and, should be honored. You should be honored to be the closer. All right, honored, a little sad, nostalgic, whatever you want to call it. Um, now we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to more of that at the end. But in the meantime, there's there's plenty to discuss. The reason you are yeah. the last guest, besides being my good buddy, who I'll not see as much, is uh, because you were in Chicago last night for um, for an absolute explosion from Clay Thompson, uh, as you correctly and I thought very amusingly noted uh, in your excellent recap today that people can go to the Athletic and read. Uh, <laughs> Clay Thompson had been really struggling. He was five for thirty six from three, and uh, the the Warriors were very confident that the perfect antidote had come along to cure his troubles, which was the horrendously bad Chicago Bulls defense. And boy, were they right. Yeah, I'd say Clay was due for about like a 7-3 night, maybe an 8-3 night. <laughs> and the Bulls just said, let's just make that 14. <laughs> um, it was bad. I mean, I, especially if you just want to go and like, you know, I'm sure you have, but if anyone wants to go and Please do yourself a clips, favor and go go look at Anthony's story. Beyond the fact that you should read his stuff about the Warriors anyway, just look at the clips of how horrendously bad the Bulls' defense was. It was laughable. Like, starting two rookies who, like – understandably were have never been on the court with the type of talent like the the Warriors just got to be a shock to the system for rookies trying to play defense you know with all the off-ball stuff I mean sure there's one ATO where it's like you know Kevin Durant's coming down on a back screen and Wendell Carter's obviously you know he's like oh no Kevin Durant's over here and then uh meanwhile Damian Jones is setting a, a, a flare screen and Carter should be getting out on clay but it's like he's worried about Kevin Durant and Steph Curry's over there he's just wide-eyed Chandler Hutchinson not great Zach Levine cannot get through any screens Does doesn't even try to get through many screens. Uh, obviously, Jabari Parker, uh, his reputation is correct on the defensive end. Uh, so Clay was just wide open, and and it, it was going to happen at some point. You know, right. if he was wide open the first few games, you know, maybe he would have missed a few, and then he wouldn't have shot a ton at the end. He probably would have been like three of eleven or something like that. But finally, regression of the mean or whatever you want to call it, he just started making those open threes, and he kept making them. What ten in the first half? That was a ridiculous part. The 10 in the first half, 92 uh, first half points. 92 he to had, 50 at halftime. Very hard yeah. to both score 92 and a half and be up by 42 and a half. And the Warriors did both at once. 17 threes in the first half. The NBA record <laughs> for a game is 25. And the Warriors didn't end up breaking it. They went to the fourth with uh, 23. But that, is the, second- that, that is crazy on multiple levels. That A, the record is only 25. You would think it's more. And B, that the Warriors didn't break it. And it came one guy at 14. Yeah, well... It's kind of crazy to me that the record's only 14. I remember chatting about, with Steph about this last year when he had the – or two years ago when he had 13. Right. And he was surprised it was only 13. And then I'm kind of so it, – it's going to keep going, right? I mean, I even kind of asked Steph about it again last night. and uh, It's it's going to get near 20, I think, at some point, especially I don't in this know, era. man, maybe. I mean, it, it's it, – I mean, it's hard. They did it's, it in two and a half quarters last I night. I know, but, but Steph and Clay, I mean, they're on another we, level. 
Yeah, and the and the thing is, when they do it, they always blow the teams out. I mean, that, no team can stay with it. Yeah, that was I thought the funniest thing Steph said in in your piece. He was like, "Yeah, you know, every time it seems like we have one of these nights, we end the game early." <laughs> it's like, yeah, because nobody else can score, you know, sixty points in twenty nine minutes like Clay, or fifty two yeah. and twenty six, or at fifty one and three quarters like Steph. I mean, that's the thing. Whenever they go off like this, they win by forty, and these guys get to hang out for the fourth quarter. Well, yeah. So I was kind of having this conversation a little bit with Darnell Mayberry last night. Works uh, covers the Bulls for the Athletic, and we were trying to think then who would it be if, and we kind of came up with Devin Booker as the type of guy who would just jack and jack and jack. Well, think about and right. His I team mean, Devin would Booker still had, be in the game, right? I mean, Devin Booker. I mean, they got him to seventy points against the Celtics a couple years ago, and they lost by and a lost. billion, right? Yep. <laughs> it was like, yeah, oh, yeah, we're so. gonna have we're gonna have Devin Booker score seventy points. So yeah, that's that's probably the scenario. A, a really good player like that who's on a team that stinks. And, and is able to just keep jacking because they're trying to get back in the game and he can put up a ton of numbers. Yeah, but I mean, o- overall, as far as the game goes last night, it was that, that first half was an avalanche. I mean, you, I was talking to people uh, within the Warriors at halftime, and you would, I kind of, you know how the United Center set up. You kind of walk back yes. through the media rooms, like right next to the locker room. So yes. I could kind of chat with assistant coaches and some front office people, and like they were like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you're talking about a coaching staff in a front office that has seen a number of the, you know, they've seen a 51 point game and a uh, 41 point uh, game, including a 25 point fourth quarter this week from two separate teammates <laughs> that weren't Clay Thompson. I mean, that's, and the, that, that's really the crazy part. In the space of a week, you had one guy go for 51. And in the same game, a guy go for 38 and it gets forgotten. Another game, a guy goes for 25 in the fourth quarter and 41 in the game. And Steph, again, in that game went, I don't remember what his numbers were in the Nick game, but they were pretty nuts too. And then last night, Steph has 23 on nine shots, which I'm like any, I was talking to somebody today, a, a person in the league who's like, and any other night you'd say, man, I just saw Steph Curry go for 23 on nine shots. And then here's this other guy going for 52 in 26 minutes. Like yeah, and, they're just on an and, unbelievable tear. You didn't even mention the Nets game where KD and Steph combined had 69 on right. ridiculous. I don't remember the exact shot number, but it was ridiculous efficiency. They're playing unbelievable right now. They they are playing better than I think I've seen them since I've joined. They've definitely uh, played. I definitely think it's and maybe it, maybe they're excited. I'm not going to be around. This is the best run they've had I think since since KD showed up for sure. I was just going to say that like this, and I and I was curious. I wanted to ask you. Um, we were around, you know, the last two years, specifically all last year, when it just really felt like a slog every single day. And, like, it felt like that for the media who was around the team. It felt like that for the players, for the coaches, everybody. It just was draining for everybody. And I was curious, do you think that um, a, a lot of this can be attributed to just the different approach this team has taken this year and the, the, the real emphasis that's been put on, hey, you know what, let's stop worrying about whether – certain people are going to stay or go or what's going to happen. We're just going to play and not worry about it and have fun and let it self sort itself out. And has that really had this big of an impact or are they just hitting a bunch of shots and things are going well right now? Well, I think it's a lot of things. I think maybe the main one is Steph. Like he's as healthy as I can remember him. Uh, And when he is really good, everything is just happier around the team because he's like even when the offense is bogged down it's like well he you, you have that outlet of him just bombing away from 32 feet he's playing so good right now and he's so healthy uh that that kind of just i think feeds into the the happy emotion around them and i mean you remember last year he sprained his ankle four times he yep. missed I don't know, what 31 games or yeah, whatever there, were 40, he ended there up missing. were 40 and 11 in the games he played so you could do the but, math on the rest of them but it wasn't just like oh he got hurt once and he missed a chunk of games yep. like he just kept repetitively was getting injured and he, he was so frustrated and when basically uh you know 
the guy who you drive all of your happy emotion from as a team is like really frustrated and not happy at all because of all the injuries he was dealing with. I think that sapped their energy a lot last year. Uh, I think Draymond Green, similarly, who was kind of the engine and the focus defensively was dealing with a lot of injuries that, I mean, at this point, nobody's really talking about Draymond because of all the offensive explosions, but he's played every game and he's played fine, especially defensively. Uh, And then, as far as the Durant storyline goes, I don't, it's weird. I just, the, the way, I think the way the Warriors are handling this free agency um, has kind of freed them a little bit where they're just basically saying, uh, they're, first of all, they're kind of like going at it with like some humor. They're, they, the whole Madison Square Garden scene was hilarious, just how they're handling it compared to how the Thunder handled it uh, in 2016. And it's understandable. The Warriors are in such a different place. Uh, their place in history is secure with three titles. They won one without Durant. If Durant left, uh, it's not as disastrous as it was in 2016 mm-hmm. for the Thunder mm-hmm. uh, for him to leave. But and but and they also just have like a just a chiller vibe as an organization. And I think that has helped ease what what we thought was going to be kind of an uncomfortable situation with Durant heading into free agency. He's in as talkative a mood as I can remember him. Um, he probably talked to four reporters last night separately after after his 10 minute maybe pretty candid press conference uh talking about uh, you know clay he had some funny quotes and that and then he just sat there and like i think he was he was probably late for the bus because he just kept talking and talking he's just in such a good mood which is like you just don't expect that in this type of season where the whole drama was supposed to be free agency and maybe look if they lose if injuries pile up if if it's getting crazy late in the season and free agency is like really getting close, then maybe there will be a lot of tension, but there's just not right now. Uh, and then the other thing is the last thing that you mentioned where they just Steve Kerr kind of in some ways feels like he spoke it into existence last year. He kept telling the team how mentally fried they were going to be uh, and they believed him. Yep. And and the coaching staff was. And, and Steve, yeah. to his credit, was open even last year about that. And he he's really gone out of his way to try to do the opposite this year. And I think it's worked. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and then, you know, new new guys in there. Uh, Alfonso, the Alfonso McKinney story. I think the team has kind of rallied around a little bit. Yeah, can you, uh, do you can you? I don't mean to interrupt, but I there's other. I, but I can you give people a brief background on him because like nobody knows who he is, and his story is remarkable. Yeah. Um. So really irrelevant player in uh, college, uh, Wisconsin Green Bay, eight points per game. Like not even it. it I would assume you can't even go find a draft profile on him. Um, so had no thoughts of getting drafted. I will actually, I will, while you're doing, while you're talking, I will, I will go look and see if, uh, if there is one, cause I'm curious. Yeah. Um, if he did have a draft profile, it was, you know, way out of the second round and he didn't get drafted and he couldn't even really find a, um, overseas contract. Uh, and he ended up going to Luxembourg, which that's probably the first person anyone's heard that's played professional basketball in Luxembourg. His teammates had like nine to five jobs and stuff. Uh, events uh, apparently got better you know, through his early twenties. I know, I think he tore his meniscus twice in college. So that probably stunted his, stunted his development then, but got better. He played professionally a little bit in Mexico. At one point, uh, he's, he's from Chicago. He paid $175 to, uh, have a D league tryout for the windy city bulls, which is the bulls G league team, uh, impressed enough. And like I said, clearly had improved enough and he is six, eight, and he is a kind of prototypical three and D type wing, uh, made the G league, actually briefly made the bulls roster but that was then cut eventually got to toronto last year had a kind of a cup of coffee with the with the raptors didn't play played, much I believe he played in one game with toronto I yeah believe. so i i mean uh, so even though like even the story to get to the raptors last season was unbelievable um like just to even get a sniff in the nba was like wow 
uh, you know, from his standpoint, was like that's probably as most as much as he ever thought he was getting. Didn't really have a great summer league. Didn't really have much of uh, you know chance this offseason. Uh, no team would have offered him a two way contract this offseason. The Warriors just brought him in as like a 19th guy in camp, a body, as there are a bunch of just bodies out there in training camp. But yeah, he was definitely weird... not supposed to be in any contention for a roster spot. Yeah, no, Daniel House uh, is the guy that they kind of expected to uh, either take a two-way or if the Patrick McCaw situation went sideways, maybe get the 14th roster spot. The McCaw situation itself is kind of an unbelievable story in the opposite direction of a career going a different way than McKinney's. But, you know, McCaw uh, does the holdout or whatever you want to call it. Uh, McKinney impresses in preseason. He really did have a good preseason. Uh, they gave him a roster spot, but it was still like, okay, 14th man. Uh, it's non-guaranteed until January. Uh, if the Macaw situation got resolved or if they just need, if somebody got injured, they, they could cut him. But through what, eight games now, he's been really good. Uh, he hit four threes in Chicago last night, which Macaw never did uh, on the Warriors. He can defend. He can rebound. Uh, I think he's playing over his head right now offensively. Like that's going to stabilize. He's not historically a good three-point shooter at all. Uh, but it's just for him to be a rotation piece on the Warriors, considering where he was, uh, it's pretty shocking. And they're rallying around. I think, like I said, I think that's some of the energy around this team. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's a crazy story, and and you know, hats off to him. And and even during camp, I remember, I remember one of the first preseason games. I remember saying to you, like, you saw him getting in the rotation in like the first half in a wing spot. It was like, Hey, like if McCaw doesn't show up, like this guy's going to make the team. And he just continued to play better and better as you went along. And now like you look like, I mean, Jacob Evans was supposed to be this rotation piece, right? I mean, he's been really a disaster since summer league and like, he's nowhere to be seen. And this kid who was not anywhere on anybody's radar is now like, I think whether McCaw comes back or not, I think he's firmly in the rotation for them, which is just truly a remarkable story. Awesome. Yeah, I think I think he actually fits what they need a bit more in McCaw too. McCaw's more like a two-three. Uh, he's a bit he's a bit skittishy offensively. Yep. I mean, he has some talent, but uh, McKinney's more three-four. He's twenty-six years old. He's older. He clearly, uh, because of his path, maybe accepts his place in the league more than McCaw clearly seems to accept sure. his place in the league sure. right now. Absolutely, uh, and that goes a long way with the Warriors with Draymond Green in this locker room. Uh, so at this point, I mean. Even if McCaw was like, okay, I'm ready to come back, uh, maybe the Warriors accept him back, but he's stepping back behind McKinney on the totem pole in this locker room. No question. Uh, no question. So it's it's interesting. Uh, it's been a, it's it's been a just there's just been a lot that's happened early this season. We did, I didn't mention another one of the new guys, Yurebko, who had a what seemed to be a disastrous preseason. Oh, now we were playing, joke, we were joking about him in the preseason that it was there was the like the the designated Omri Caspi, like foreign guy comes in who's well-hyped as a, as a minimum guy, and it's just horrendous. It gets drummed out. And, and yeah, he it, just flipped it around, to, like really seemingly with that tip in Utah. And like ever since then, things have been a lot different. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's almost like every game there's something. You know, we mentioned the 51-point Steph thing or, or Katie's MSG show that kind of got the team going or Clay the other night in Chicago. The Salt Lake City game was the Jurebko game. He not only had the tip in, he he came in and he hit two threes, that, and that was like such a good uh, game in, in Utah's home opener. You know the energy around Salt Lake City right now, so uh, mm-hmm. it was just a really fun environment. And for him to have that wild tip in finish, uh, that's just there's just been so much positive happening to the Warriors. I know that everyone in the league, I'm sure, just loves that all this positive stuff is happening to the Warriors. They just have they've been on such bad luck lately, but. 
um, it's it, there's just a different energy around the team early in the season for sure. Yeah, there's no question about it. It's been it's been really interesting. Um, and, and this is without Cousins yet either, and that's the guy who's supposed to give them the boost at some point. Yeah, and he and he's managed to, as typically he's going to, make things uh, make things interesting. Um, you know, getting thrown out of the Knicks game the other day, and you know. he has a stat. He's on the <laughs> he's on the stat sheet this year. He is on the stat sheet, and that that I am going to be really interested to see how that goes. I mean, it does seem like um, you know Demarcus. Uh, you know, is a guy who is very close with several of the stars on the team. I do think that, uh, despite some of his past foibles, I do think that's going to help kind of keep him uh, in line. Um, you know, with with the Warriors when he does play, and you know, certainly if you know, I, I think you know, one guy I the, the Warriors haven't seen yet, but um, you know, to me, you watch the way Rudy Gay has come back from this Achilles, and you know, he looks pretty darn good for the Spurs, and I think. You know, certainly, if Demarcus can have a recovery anywhere near uh, the level that that Rudy has, and obviously Demarcus is a bigger guy, and it's you know it's a pretty scary injury for a player, but um, you know it's just a it's a really interesting um, you know if he can if he can come back and be anywhere close to where he was before, you know obviously he's going to just be another massive piece thrown into the mix here. Yeah, well, Rudy's better. This is what year two for Gay on the recovery, yes, right? Yes. And he's better this year than he was. And he was even all right. He was even all right last year yeah. too. Yeah, and that's almost what I'd expect with Cousins is that the team that's really going to benefit is the team that gets him in free agency this summer. Yes. Um, the Warriors are going to get the all right version of Cousins, which you know I think that's okay. <laughs> I mean, the seventy-five percent of Cousins added to this team with that skill set that they don't really have. They need supplementary shooting. He he's going to shoot threes. They need. I mean, I don't know that they really need it that other you know that much else from cousins but he's going to provide it um he can rebound do all that stuff so uh it's it's going to help and then just the reputational thing i think it's he's you got to think he's got to be on his best behavior just because um look it's the first time he's kind of been in a place where they don't need him like if if he's causing any type of trouble they can cut him tomorrow right uh and you know, we would still consider the massive favors to win the title, I'm sure. So uh, you already saw it. I Apparently, he po- apologized to the team for the ejection. And Steve Kerr came out and kind of publicly said, like, we don't do that here. We're trying to win titles. He needs to, you know, um, yeah, repair his reputation. And he knows that's not the type of stuff he can do. I'm not sure he's ever had a coach so uh, bluntly go out no, in the media he's and never, say that type of stuff. He's never had anybody do anything but enable him at every turn because he was in Sacramento and then he was in New Orleans where they needed to keep him. And the, the, the funny thing about the Warriors situation is they know they can't keep him. Uh, they are very aware that, like, what the max they can pay him is like $6.4 million this summer. That's not happening. If, if he has any type of decent recovery, he's getting way more than that. He should get way more than that. And the Warriors want him to have a good season so they can trampoline him elsewhere. That's like because they want to be known as this organization that just kind of repairs guys and like they did with JaVale McGee, sends them back uh, with kind of a rejuvenated career. So, um it's. It, I think the origin is such a good position with Cousins. Uh, it goes badly. You cut him or you trade him. It goes well. Well, then you have a decent Demarcus Cousins. Yeah. No. It's. It's definitely going to be interesting to see. Now, bounce around the league a little bit. Um, the Rockets get obliterated again today. Um, I know that they've had James Harden out. Um, but you know, what is what is what is your take on kind of the way Houston has really fallen flat here to start the season? Well, I, I think a lot of, like, I feel like Carmelo's getting a lot of the blame just because, like, that's just the Twitter world particularly just loves to give him that. And I'm not, I, th- I think it's a little unfair. I don't think that was a good signing. Uh, I think that'll continue to prove to not be great. And it definitely, again, in the 
better against the better teams in the league, he's probably going to be unplayable come playoff time. But mm-hmm. it's a lot deeper than Carmelo. I mean, I, it, to me, from the I have not been around the Rockets. It seemed to me that James Harden came in out of shape. Uh, he really. I was watching those first few games, and he's kind of chugging up the court and kind of like tossing laps. He just did not look like that high, you know, higher energy really in shape James Harden. I know he always kind of has the bulky frame, but uh, you can just tell when he's just more conditioned and, you know, he's getting to the rim. He's w- a lot more quick twitch. He kind of was like lolling around, I thought, those first few games. And then he tweaks a hammy, which that's kind of a out-of-shape type injury, right? That's like a m- little muscle strain. Uh, so yep. I think that just his play early and then obviously his injury, that's been an issue. Uh, Chris Paul gets the suspension, so he misses a few games. And then they – seems like they might have struck out on some of these offseason moves. You know, they were trying to pump James Ennis like he was basically Trevor Ariza at 2.0, an upgraded version, and it's clear. I mean, that's a downgrade, um, especially yeah. come playoff time. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Carter-Williams, that has not worked at all. I've seen him just airballing threes. Michael Carter-Williams stinks. I mean, listen, yeah. they, they, they're playing Michael Carter-Williams significant minutes. That's a problem. I mean, they, they took Luka Bamute and Carmelo Anthony, and they turned him into our Luka Bamute and Trevor Reza and turned him into Carmelo Anthony, James Ennis, and Michael Carter-Williams. And that's a that's a big downgrade. Um, yeah. You know, that's so, that, that's the bottom line. I still think they're a 50-ish win team, uh, 55 maybe if, like, Harden comes back and doesn't re-aggravate the listen, hamstring. I, it's hard to see him even get into 55. I mean, listen, you just do the math, right? If you're if you're if you're one in five to start the year, which they now are, I mean you got to go fifty four and twenty two to get to fifty five wins. Now are they capable of that? Maybe, but like if Harden misses another couple of weeks, they're probably not going to be winning at that kind of clip in that stretch. So then it gets even harder, you know. So I mean I think it's much more likely they're around fifty. Yeah. Well, I mean regardless, I, I still think they're a threat in the West. Uh, I think Harden will eventually play his way into shape. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I still think they have a good nucleus for playoff basketball when you include P.J. Tucker. Capella, I think, is a very good playoff player. Eric Gordon, I yep. think, showed a lot last year in the playoffs. Uh, but those – I mean, they, they just took a step back, and we all said this preseason, and I think it's like the most disastrous version of that because of how all the – uh, guys that they signed that they bet on Marquise Chris even you know those guys they're just not helping at all they don't seem like they're gonna yeah they don't uh, have good so- they don't have good players and listen the bottom line is the owner Tillman Fertitta you know he has said repeatedly oh we didn't talk about the luxury tax we're not you know that's not an issue but the bottom line is every move they made this summer was designed towards saving Tillman Fertitta money and the fact of the matter is they were on the precipice of winning a title and they had two options they could have doubled down on the team they had and run it back, right? Um, or they could have gone the other way and saved money. And at every turn this summer, from trading to Anthony Melton and Ryan Anderson to not signing to Bob Mute, to not signing Ariza, to not using the mid-level exception, they every move they made was to save money. And you look at their bench, they're you know, with James Harden out and some of these other guys are playing uh, you know, Marquise Chris, Isaiah Hartenstein, and Michael Carter Williams. And they're starting Carmelo Anthony. Well, you wonder who's to have two for 12 today. So you wonder why they're, you know, one and five. I mean, it's not good. Yeah. And they've lost four well, games at home. I mean, they're 0 and 4 at home. That's the yeah. crazy part. It's not like they've been on the you, road the whole time. If you go wider lens and look at it from like a deep playoff, even like a Warriors perspective, uh, they would seem, okay, maybe they're kind of drifting towards irrelevance, uh, you know, as far as like the title conversation goes. But the Jimmy Butler conversations out there what i mean what do you think about that i mean I, what would that do for them like if it's a if it's a package that's full of draft picks and you're not giving up pj tucker and eric gordon like that's interesting 
there's to me the only way that trade ever happens is if it's four unprotected first round picks and Tom Thibodeau gets fired. Because I just gotta can't. Get fired before the no, but I mean, I need, I'm saying I, I think it needs to be both of those things. Because like, if, if if you're not even getting Eric Gordon in the trade, to me, it's got to be four unprotected first round picks. If it's if hey, it's and and listen, that might be a good deal. And listen, if, if I'm Minnesota, if I could get four unprotected first round picks and I take on say Brandon Knight and Marquis Chris for uh, for Jimmy Butler, I, I you know I might do that because. You know, yeah, you give up four first round picks, but you also get Jimmy Butler on that team It'd be really good. But I, I think I, I don't think that Tibbs is gonna make that trade. And I think short of a trade like that, um I just don't I just don't see it. Um I, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think they have enough to really trade and I, I mean, think they're kinda of stuck. It is crazy. The Rockets are tied for last in the West with the Phoenix Suns. They are one in five. I mean, Thunder was almost one and five, and the, and the Thunder and are and the Thunder are were almost zero and four. five. Yeah, now they're two and four because they did they won this game tonight. That's right. And I, I was actually going to uh, I was actually going to ask you about them next. I mean, they've won their last couple games, but um, are you concerned about them long term because of the, uh, the the lack of shooting on the roster that has been pointed out by just about everybody you've seen them play? Yeah, I mean, Terrence Ferguson does not look good at all, uh, which is a problem because he's starting at the two. Um, you know who does look kind of good? Hamadou Diallo, I think I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, Hamadou Diallo. Been uh, a very intriguing second-round pick for them so far. He's played well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he can shoot. He's like almost one of those like, uh, you mean classic Sam, Thunder you mean type Sam drafted a hyper-athletic wing that may or may not be able to shoot? <laughs> True, but at least he, he looks very playable. Where like yes. Ferguson doesn't look that playable right now. Diallo's like, oh, okay, you know, he can do some stuff. He's getting steals. He's very jumpy. I think his vertical was like something unbelievable at the combine. I think it was like near a record. You want to see um, a strange line. So Terrence Ferguson tonight, I just looked up the box score. Terrence Ferguson, one for one, two points, one assist, one steal, one block, four fouls in 26 minutes. Plus best 34. Uh, definitely the best game of the year. I, I, I'm going to assume Westbrook and George had a little bit to do with I mean, they that. Were plus plus 18, plus they were plus 18 and plus 21, but still, plus 34 in 26 minutes is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, it, they always, I don't know, stuff's just always ill-fitting there. I, I, I will say this. I like their roster better than last year. Schroeder off the bench, they did not have that last year. Uh, Nerlens Noel's actually given them like a little bit of a boost in those like non-Adams minutes. And yeah. Adams plays such a style of game where he's so beat up. I mean, he's already missed a couple games this year. Yeah. I think he had a back thing. He had a calf thing. Patrick uh, Patterson, two- eight points on three for three, including two for two from three tonight. That would be a huge thing if they could get him going. That's really yeah. the problem. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they used a very important chunk of money because they don't have that much cap flexibility. And they used a very important I don't I think was it the full mid level on um Patterson. Right. But they need yeah, they definitely if, if he can be a stretch forward, they get that's a huge boost. Um but you know, Noel giving them better minutes. It's we'll see. It's two and four. It hasn't been a great start, but Westbrook missed a couple of those games. Uh the the home loss to the Kings was really bad, but hey, maybe the Kings are better than we thought they were. Um it, I don't know. I mean there's they're just sitting in that four or five zone that they were last year. And like I said, I actually do think they're a little bit better than last year, especially if Robertson can come back and help them at all, which I'm not sure he can, even if he comes back, it's like, he's coming off such a bad injury. Uh, We'll see. Uh, But look, four or five zone, second round ceiling, in my opinion, maybe if all, if things break unbelievably right, maybe West finals, but that seems doubtful. Yeah. It's hard for me to see. I mean, I think it's possible um, if they get the right draw, uh, but I, I just think their flaws, to your point, are just too—they're um, too much to overcome. Now, what is your take on uh, you know the team everybody wants to talk about, the Lakers uh, so far, two and five uh, in their first seven games? 
have had, you know, I, you know, I, I said after I think their first or second game, they were going to be, in my opinion, maybe the most entertaining team in the league this season because every time you watch them play, they, their defense is terrible, so they're going to give up a ton of points. They also have a great offense, so they're going to score a ton of points. And because of that, I, virtually every game is going to be close down to the end, and then they have these guys who are prone to doing crazy things, so therefore you have interesting finishes. And that has basically been every single game so far, stands for uh, playing Phoenix, who stinks. But every other game has been a... a coin flip they've lost so far yeah i mean look they're they're fun they're fast they they're they're really playing this up-tempo style which you know lebron at age what 33 has he turned 34 yet uh he'll turn 34 on uh december 30th i believe is he gonna play 82 of these or even like 76 of these seems doubtful that's tough to you know those miles those to put regular season miles like that on lebron in year one of this four-year contract doesn't seem fantastic but i mean he he's also like proven to be the most ridiculous athlete ever so maybe he can do it i don't know um but they're what like you said they kind of this is playing out i I, i'd say i I would think their record would be better but this is playing out uh from an entertaining but flawed standpoint like we kind of thought it was i mean lance stevenson's had some moments randomly where he's been good i mean the rondo i mean they should uh, they 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 if it wasn't for him going crazy in the fourth quarter against the nuggets there's a very good chance they're one and six that and was I was at that. Season, that was yeah, you're right. I was at that game, and they were down eight with five minutes to go, and it looked over. And then Lance, you know, buries a three, dribbles down, and buries another three, and like single handedly swung the game back in their direction. Yeah, you got that. You you have this um, Rondo uh, Lonzo Ball debate that's just ensuing right now on who's the proper starting point guard that is incapable of hitting threes. Although like Lonzo's shot looks better this year, um, I, I'm definitely a proponent of Lonzo in the starting lineup. I know I apparently his plus minus is the worst on the team, but I'm with you hundred percent. It's small sample size, obviously with that. Um, and then uh, to me, like the, maybe the worst part of the roster is the center. Uh, I, JaVale's fine. Uh, I think he's a, like, he helped the Warriors in his, uh, if JaVale was their second, right. If JaVale was their second big, who was playing 12 to 14 minutes a game, I'd feel a lot better, but he's their starter playing 25 minutes a game and they have no one else. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're in a position where JaVale, like a if JaVale similar... gets if you're in a position where JaVale get hurt gets hurt, you're screwed. Like that's not a good position to be in. No, like and you then... want him to be a luxury that you have as like a option to come in and you know mess with teams for 12 minutes, like the Warriors did last year. Your point, like that was the perfect role for him. Playing a great team with guys that are going to keep you from screwing around. You play with the the four Hall of Famers for six minutes a half, and you dunk the ball, and then you go sit on the bench. Like that's what you yeah. need. And then the concern is as they get deeper into more important games and they're playing, uh, I don't say must wins, but, you know, it seems like, especially in the West where, you know, there's just going to be a chunk of teams in those like early 40s wins in the last month of the season. Yep. Uh, they're going to be playing huge games and, you know, they're going to shift to LeBron at center as much as possible. Uh, Which he's and, never and, done and we're not sure he's going to want to do. No, but. And you're just going to tax them. It's this is just a season where they're going to just tax LeBron so much, and they're with really no ability to win a title. So, in, again, in year one and before your contract, where you, your chance at titles come in year two, three, four, probably closer to three and four. Uh, so, I mean, there are problems, but we all knew this. And like LeBron, again, LeBron had the quote that I thought was maybe the, the quote of their season. He signed up for it, right? right. So, uh, I'm 
I I'm enjoying it. I'll say that, especially not having to cover that circus every day. Um, oh, they're I'm so much it. fun to watch. I mean, people think I hate them because I said I think they're going to miss the playoffs, but they've I've their their games are entertaining as hell. I mean, they're every single game is 120 to 115, and like you know, last night they're in the they're playing the Wolves, and you know you've got just you know just crazy stuff happening at both ends of the court, and it, I mean they're they're really really fun to watch. I mean, yeah, and. You know who else is enjoying it? The Warriors locker room. I, I can't remember. the. They played the same day as that Lakers-Spurs game, um, and their game ended early. It was like the a first, quick the blowout. First La- yeah, the first, the first Lakers-Spurs uh, game, right. Uh, yeah, in L.A., right. which went into overtime. It was kind of a crazy game. They actually started at the same time as the Warriors game, but the Warriors game, like I said, was an easy, quick win for the Warriors, very undramatic. Uh, and we get led into the locker room, and that Spurs-Lakers game is at the end of regulation. We sat in there. It was like a like little mini watch party in there. It was like probably 12, <laughs> 13 media members right. and maybe like six Warriors players, including KD and Draymond and Iguodala and Steph Curry. They were all sitting there. We were all watching overtime. And it was, you know, KD sitting there, come, oh, come on, L.A. Bron, get there, get to the rim. And like everyone was having a good time. And it's just like it's a very fun, crazy team to watch. Uh, and they're just in every game and like it, it, every game feels big because you're like, and this could be kind of maybe be the decider if they make the playoffs or not at the end of the year. So, yeah. And, it, um, and it's, it's I think it's really been a shot in the arm for the league because I mean, not only is it LeBron in a new situation, but it's also to your point, like it's like LeBron and a, a like a team that's like, this is what their season's going to be. Right. Like it, it, it's an accomplishment for them if they make the playoffs in the West and like put up a fight in the first round. And if they do more than that, great. But like, it's not like he has, he's on this team where like, it's not like we're talking about them like we're talking about Houston, right? Where it's like, what the hell is wrong with the Rockets? It's like, yeah, the, the, the Lakers have a bunch of young guys and they're going to grow and figure out how to play. And like, they'll be better probably in April than they are today. And they got to figure it out. And I think for everybody, including people in the league, it's been fun to kind of watch them, you know, try to figure it out as they go. How safe is Luke Walton? I mean, I, I've had, you know, I've had people call me and say, this guy's dead man walking. I, I don't, I don't really know where it sits. I mean, I, I wouldn't feel great if I was him, but at the same time, you know, I don't think that roster makes any sense. You know, I mean, there's a reason I wrote, I don't it's think they're going to make the playoffs. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not his fault that JaVale's the only center on the roster. It's not his fault that they have 19 guys who can't shoot, who need the ball in their hands on the roster. Like, I still don't understand why they signed Michael Beasley. Um, instead of another center, like if they if they had Brooke Lopez instead of Michael Beasley, I wouldn't have wrote that column, and I think they'd probably have two or three more wins, you know. But they didn't, so now they're this team with no bigs that can't defend anybody. Um, that's in these track meets all the time. And the other thing that people need to remember, like I know it's October 29th or whatever. Um, every game matters, and like you said, in terms of like determining whether teams are going to make the playoffs or not, they've already lost twice to the Spurs which could matter, and they play Portland again this weekend in Portland. If they lose that game, they'll have already lost two times to two different teams that are going to probably be in that mix from, like, 6 to 10 in the West, right? And, like, that that could really be a problem for them on, say, April 1st. If you look at the standings and they're, say, two back of the Spurs with four to go and they've lost the season series, well, you know, that, that makes your job a lot harder. And, You're essentially three back. Then. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it just makes your job a lot trickier. And, you know, you look early on, they did get the win over Portland, but they lost to Minnesota, right? 
Well, assuming they keep Jimmy Butler, they're going to be in the mix. Uh, they lost twice to the Spurs. They lost to the Blazers. Um, you know, they lost these teams that are going to be in that mix. And, you know, they're all coin flip games that they all could have won. They, you know, they were in overtime twice against the Spurs. Um, they lost both games. Uh, you know, it's like, or whatever, they were close against the Spurs. I don't remember if the second game went to overtime. But, um, you know, they, they barely lost to the Wolves. They, they, you know, they, they've been in these games, haven't pulled them out. And, you know, that could, that like you said, that really could be the difference between them uh, um, them making the uh, them making the playoffs or not, which is why, which is also why I think you've got a lot of people um, really interested in in what they're doing on a nightly basis because it could end up mattering at the end. Hey, you got to start flipping your mind towards the East, though, right? I mean, that's <laughs> that's where you're going. Yeah, well, so it's pretty it's fun, it's pretty fun over there. I'd say a little bit more entertaining than the last few years, I just because say, of the unknown without LeBron there. I would say so. Um, yeah, so I'm going to ESPN starting in about 24 hours to cover uh, cover the East, to mainly cover uh, Boston, Philly, and Toronto, and um, which is why this is the last podcast for uh, the Post. And uh, yeah, I mean, we saw Toronto win again today. Um, we saw Boston start to get on track with another win. They beat Detroit twice in a row to kind of steady themselves. Um, you know, so that, that's, that's been interesting. I get, you know, Toronto beat Philly tonight, uh, in, in Toronto, Kawhi Leonard, I believe at 31 points, uh, 31, seven, four and four on 34 minutes. He looked great after not playing last night as they, they ease him in, not playing him on both halves of back to backs. Um, let me ask you this, uh, to kind of transition to East a bit before we wrap up. Um, Looking at, I think I think you would agree that Toronto and Boston are the class of the East, right? Milwaukee's kind of frisky. Well, okay, so that was going to be my next question: is is Milwaukee ahead of Philly to you? I would say they are. Ah, uh, it's so early. Um, I just mean at this point in the season, just the way they would you put them ahead of Philly right better. now? Better, they've played better early this season. I mean, the full thing. I watched the, you know, I'm, it's just it just depends on when my off days come with these Warriors sure. game. But today, I was able to sit and watch the Raptors uh, Sixers game and like. Fultz was okay, but it's just like it just looks like they're just trying to force him in, and mm-hmm. I understand it. I mean, they have a lot committed. Scout's such an important pick in that ben franchise Simmons, history. Eleven turnovers tonight, not great. Yeah, um, which you know that's not going to happen a lot. Uh, but Kawhi, I thought was just like kind of terrorizing him, uh, especially late. Uh, Siakam, on, I know I'm kind of flipping towards the Raptors, but just watching them tonight, just that Siakam. Um, Kawhi Leonard front court defensively is I mean, awesome. I think they're the best team in the East, personally. I mean, they're they are loaded. I mean, just just yeah. absolutely loaded. I mean, OG Ananobi on the bench. I mean, he didn't even play tonight. They have Jonas Valanciunas scoring twenty three and seventeen minutes off the bench tonight. Uh, Lowry's playing great. Um, ben Simmons eleven turnovers tonight for Philly. Um, you know, they're just Toronto's deep and young and athletic, and uh, you know they got two guys at every position. I mean, they you know. I, I said this to you. We were in uh, Salt Lake for the Warriors Jazz game, and we we watched the end of that Raptors Celtics game. I was like, this really feels like it could be like Warriors Thunder a couple years ago if it gets to a conference finals. Like that could be just an absolute slugfest for seven games. Well, the biggest thing to me is just Kawhi looks like a top five player. Kawhi Leonard looks like the guy who won Finals MVP in a series that had LeBron James in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and that's to. yeah, um, and that to me is like the Raptors. Always were kind of deep, but didn't have a guy. They you won know, 59 DeMar games okay. last year and replaced DeMar DeRozan with Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And Danny um, Green. I mean, they added yeah, Danny it, Green, too, who also looked healthy and good, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I've seen him have hot streaks and cold streaks. So, well, he's 
to me, especially from three, he's very streaky. But yeah, no, he's a nice rotation. I mean, piece. people thought deep. he was done last year, and then he like, during the offseason was like, "Oh yeah, I, like they found out I played with a basically torn groin last year, and now he looks great." So like, you know, maybe that was it, and he just wasn't yeah. healthy because he looks like a different player in Toronto. He looks great. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. But again, to me, it's just like if Kawhi Leonard is that, and if even better than that, which by the end of the year they need him playing every game, being able to play sure. obviously like near forty minutes in the playoffs. Sure. If there was a East Finals against Boston, but um, if I had to, pre- if if a series started tomorrow, I would say Kawhi Leonard would be the best player in, in the East. Uh, definitely in that series with Boston, you could argue with Giannis. But- well, and that's the thing, right? You to, to me, the interesting thing about the Celtics is you match them up with even Philly. I think Philly's flawed for a variety of reasons, but you match them up with Philly, you match them up with Toronto, you match them up with the, with the bucks and they don't have the best player in any of those series. And generally in the NBA, if you don't have the best player, you don't win. Now that's different. If like you have four of the best 15 players, you're playing the, and playing LeBron, right? Like short of that, generally the best player wins. And for as much as Boston's been touted as the team in the East, well, what happens if they go up against say Toronto in the final, in the conference finals and Kawhi Leonard is, like you said, the Kawhi Leonard we all know, right? Like that's a that's a tall order to beat a team like that. Yeah, I think there's a different there's different levels to it. Um, like if you go up against a Kawhi and he's clearly the best player in the series, that's a problem. I mean, Boston they bounced uh, Milwaukee last year. Giannis is still the best player, but they were just way better coached. I mean, obviously that's kind of flipped this year, but um, I t- Kyrie can be at that level. Um, I just need to, he needs to prove his health kind of like Kawhi's proven his health now. I know he's kind of started the, the year slow. I think he had a pretty nice game tonight uh, against did. Detroit. He did. Um, t- I will tell you this the Warriors locker room very much believes Kyrie Irving is just as good as any player in the East, but that's because he's done it on the big stage, which, you know, that's notable. Uh, Kawhi, 31 uh, on 10 for 16 and 4 for 7 from 3 tonight for Kawhi or for Kyrie, I mean. Yeah. Um, I, Gordon Hayward is probably maybe the most important thing to watch, from my opinion, the rest of the year uh, for Boston. If he can become 90% of what he was in Utah, like that's such a really good, sturdy, solid piece, but he just seems pretty far away yeah, right he now. Had six points tonight, three for 10, 26 minutes. He's been very. Um, he's been very up and down, as you'd expect. I mean, it's going to take a while, I think, for him to to round into form. You know, I mean, it's just going to. He's on a pretty strict minutes limit. Um, you know, you're right, but that's a huge swing piece. If he if he is anywhere close to Gordon Hayward by the end of the season, though Gordon Hayward that you know was an All Star in Utah, that's a pretty dynamic player to throw into the mix here. Yeah, you know, it's it'll be interesting. You're you're about to get a front row seat to it. Yeah, it should be it should be fun. Um, it should be fun. It, it's, uh, it's, it's tough leaving the post. Uh, I love, I love working here. I, I still can say that cause I still technically do for another day. Um, it's been an unbelievable job, dream job at a dream place to work. Just unbelievable colleagues. Um, editors are great. Uh, it's just, it's just an awesome, awesome place to be. But at the end of the day, sometimes you have to take a leap if the right opportunity comes along. And in this case it was so, um, so I'm off to Boston, and I, I don't get to see my guy uh, Slater nearly as much. But I have a feeling that uh, come the end of the season, I will be seeing you uh, for a couple of weeks in June, no matter who the uh, who the Warriors are playing, and I'll, I'll see you plenty in the uh, in the interim. But uh, in in the meantime, uh, thank you for being the the final guest on the pod, Slater. I appreciate it, and let people know, uh, though I'm sure everybody listens to listens to this uh, follows you ready because I've gotten. 
uh, about a million messages since my departure was announced that uh, there will be no more stock reports, and that makes people very sad. Uh, well, I told them that you ditched me long ago because you'd become too big of a star, so that that wasn't an issue. But uh, let people know where they can follow you, and uh, if you got any uh, any other projects coming out that people should be checking out. Warriors Raptors November 29th we'll do a stock report then. <laughs> there you go. You can give the we'll give the people what they want. <laughs> At least the Warriors all 82 pod although I, I don't know if you're allowed to come on my podcast. Uh, I'm sure I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure I'll be able to get I'm sure I'll be a guest on the uh, the all 82 pod. I'll make that happen. Yeah. Uh, other than that, yeah, just you can follow all my stuff at The Athletic. And we now have 30 beat writers across the league. Every team Crazy. has a beat. Which Athletic is, has yeah. exploded. $40 million in funding today announced. Yes, yes, and more news today. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, you can just follow the, the Warriors page, and you'll get all of my stuff, Marcus Thompson, Ethan Strauss, Tim Kawakami's. Um, and yeah, I mean, simple as that, or follow me on Twitter and I'll tweet out all my stuff. So. Can, I can say this, not just as Anthony's friend, but, uh, the, the Warriors coverage at the athletic is uh second to none. And anybody who is interested in the league, uh, needs to have a subscription for no other reason than to, uh, to follow those guys. Cause all, all four of those guys are terrific, including present company and, uh, are all worth reading. So, uh, if you somehow don't have an athletic subscription yet, go, go get one and get us a Washington post subscription and get a, uh, well, I guess you don't need a, I guess. Get an insider subscription. Do do my ESPN man Kevin. Plus. Yeah, that's right. Come ESPN on, Plus. Get, that's right. I got to be. Get a, on it. I got to be a company man. Well, I was going to say, make sure you support our guy Kevin Pelton. He's he's the main guy at ESPN Insider on the NBA side. He's terrific. So Bobby some, Marks, I think does. Bob, a lot oh, that's of right. I guess Bobby ESPN does Insider too. Look look at you. You you are. You seem to be trying. I'm trying to, to help you. I'm trying to help you learn how to uh, you know promo this. Uh, well, but we're listen. doing this all on a Washington Post podcast, and you kind of mentioned it there. But people need to subscribe to the Washington Post for sure. No, yes. even though you're gone. Listen, I. I am leaving the Washington Post. However, there are many, many far more talented people at the Washington Post who do unbelievable work, uh, not just in sports, but obviously in many other areas. Uh, and, you know, given where things are at the moment, uh, with the election coming up, uh, it's never been a more important time than to be informed on what's going on, regardless of your views. Uh, so get a subscription to the Post. Uh, be informed. It is uh, I can honestly say I will never be I'll never be prouder to work anywhere or more, you know, more enjoy a job more. I'm sure this job's going to be great, but I truly love my time at the post and uh, it, it's been awesome. So um, so thank you. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, do a quick sign off. Um, thanks to, to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Glenn has been an incredible editor as my NBA editor for the past couple of years. Uh, I was the online editor for that. Um, he was a really good dude, huge Mavs fan, so he's excited about Luka Doncic, uh, who I guess you'll get to see soon, Slater. You haven't got to see him in person yet, but, uh, but Luka's been fun. So uh, thanks to Glenn for everything, and go check out the Western States. Their music is great. I've seen them in concert. They're really good. Um, you, know, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. Uh, used to be in the page of the Washington Post, but like, like Anthony said, go subscribe to the, uh, go subscribe to the site and, uh, and check it out. Um, Glenn's also going to be taking over the Monday morning post up for at least for a while. So there's a replacement for me. Uh, so that'll be continuing. So go subscribe for that at uh, WAPO.ST slash post up. Go, go check that out too. Um, Slater. Thanks again, man. I will miss seeing you every day, but uh, I will be looking forward to seeing you. Like you said, in late November in Toronto and for everybody out there. Thank you as always for listening. And I'll talk to you guys soon.